Welcome into another edition of the Hilltopper Sports Podcast. I am Todd Allam. Alongside me, Sean Ryan, for this one. Uh, our guest today, our interview, will be Malik McKinney of men's basketball at West Liberty. Malik, uh, his first year at West Liberty transfer coming in. Boy, did he really, really step up and play well. Everything that Coach Hallett said about him before the season began, he completely did and honestly uh, did more than we expected. Absolutely. And you and I have talked about this before, uh, about Malik specifically, is that he came here with a reputation as a defensive stopper. Um, and he he more than lived up to that. But I, I don't think we were expecting the offensive uh, part of it. But I, I think a lot of that might have been due to the system he was playing in. Uh, a lot of the peace stack teams, they, they play a slower, uh, more methodical pace. So he wasn't really able to showcase his true ability. And, man, when he got here, and it took him a little while to, to kind of find his place. I, I remember early in the season, every time he would do something on the court and there would be, like, a stoppage in play, he would be looking over at the bench. Like, was that okay? Am I doing what I'm supposed to? But then once the season went along a little bit, you could tell he, he found his comfort zone and and he is more than fit in. I'm telling you what, you talk about a steal for Coach Hallett and the crew. But man, this, this kid is good. Yeah, the two transfers they brought in last year uh, between Pat Robinson and Malik McKinney, I, I don't know. Besides, the only two I can think of, honestly, um, Dan Monteroso and Zach Grossenbach are the two that pop into mind that made an impact uh, that quickly between Malik and Pat. It, it was just crazy. And, and that's the under, interesting thing uh, about uh, transfers is you just really never know. Uh, you, you can you can watch all the tape you want. You can talk to all the people you want, and you can envision a certain thing. But until you actually get them on the court and get them in your program and around your guys, and get them acclimated, made it. It's you you just never know. And and talking with Ben, he's a big proponent of. Uh, you, you see teams even in the Mountain East will go out and, and they'll get D one transfers, and we've done that to a certain extent a little bit. But Ben really prefers the D2 guys. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's at least this past season, boy, did it ever pay off? And was he ever right about these two guys? Early in the season on the Valley with you, Sean, uh, Coach Hallett talked about Pat Robinson saying he might be the best player on the team. And, you know, with the team that they've got right now, it's kind of difficult <laughs> to say who is the best because they're all extremely good and there's not a team in this conference that wouldn't die for one of those guys. And we've got a handful of them. So we're really lucky, you and I, getting to be uh, broadcasters for men's basketball. The fact that we get to see this team all the time, uh, we're, we're really lucky to get the broadcast for this team and follow this team. Well, you're exactly right. We are. Um, I, I, can't, I can't think of another team that I would want to follow the way we get to do it. And, and it's funny you mentioned uh, that conversation that I had with Ben before the season, and he's saying that. And and I'm thinking at the time, come on, Ben. You know I've been doing this a long time. You're you're not going to pull this one over on me. You're just you're just trying to to pump some guys up. Turns out he wasn't doing that at all. I mean he was being completely honest. And and we've talked about this, and I've talked about this with a with a number of people. And you just brought it up. Who is the best player on this team? Is it Dalton Bowen? Is it Pat Robinson? Is it Will Yoakum? And, and I think. I don't think you have a definitive answer to that. I think it depends on what night you show up at the gym to watch. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you say those names, and I can't be in more agreement with you. And the names we haven't said are the scary part. That, that what's left over after those three guys, you got a Luke Dyer, who he's the best point guard in the conference, bar none. There's no, it's not even close. Everything that he does, he might be the most complete player on the toppers team. That's the scary part about it. But he really, he, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think he is the most complete player. Um, and he's the one guy that no matter what you need in a particular situation, you can go to him and say, Luke, we need this. And he's going to go get it done. Um, 
and he's one of those guys that, uh, again, Jim Crutchfield always used to say, we're not going to win any battles and warm-ups people look at us. You look at Luke Dyer and you're like, this guy probably shouldn't even be playing basketball. And then you get, get out there and it's like, holy cow, this kid is good. And it, it's what's above the neck with him that's the most impressive part. You're trying to do something, and he's already one or two steps ahead of you. He knows what's coming. And there's no better, I, I think, example of that than the game at Fairmont to clinch the title where, where he was just he, – he was playing chess and Fairmont was playing checkers. It, it was just – it was ridiculous. It was the single most dominating game without a huge point total that I've maybe ever seen. He's definitely that type of player. In the past, we've compared him to a Jason Kidd style, uh, except I know Jason Kidd could score here and there, but I don't think like Luke could comparatively. You know, I know it's two different levels, uh, D2 and the NBA, but I think Luke's got a little bit more scoring prowess that's hidden uh, under all the other things that he does than Jason Kidd did. And I feel bad we're talking about everybody else on the squad besides Malik, and that's our interview today. <laughs> the one thing that I was most impressed with Malik's game, just trying to be specific or nitpicky, he is extremely fast on the floor. He's a, He used to be a soccer player in high school, so you can kind of see that speed translate into the game of basketball. But his speed with and without the ball are very similar, and that's the rare part for a guy to have that speed and have the same speed with the basketball and be under control. The most impressive part when we're talking about that with Malik is how quickly he's able to change directions. Uh, I remember a number of times he, he's, of course, left-handed. He's coming down the left side and gets a defender's head turned just for a second because he crosses over that right, and before you can get all the way turned around, he's laying it up on the right side of the hoop. He's another guy, I think, who has a very high IQ and that he knows what he's going to do before he does it. And as a defender, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you prepare for that. You really, you really can't. Um, and the scary thing is, look at how much time he has left in his program. Um, the the number of things that he's going to be able to do. And I think, for me personally, that that was the most disappointing part about the season ending, is because we're never going to know. Um, I, I think truly that that team had the chance to go do some legitimate damage uh, with Malik being a part of them. Uh, and what for me, what Malik does, um, first of all, he allows Luke Dyer to not have to expend all that energy by defending the other team's best guy every night. Because that takes a toll. Whether you think it does or not, it really does. And secondly, um, Throughout this this 15 or whatever year run this has been for West Liberty, they've always had that press goal. Some years, it has been a lot better than others. You throw Malik in there, and it just creates chaos. I, I don't know if there's another guy like him in the league. Where, uh, And again, that's part of being a West Liberty basketball player. You have to do everything. But, it, but he literally can um, he can shoot the three. He can take you off the dribble. He can absolutely eliminate the other team's best player to the point where you don't know they're on the floor. And when you have somebody that can do that, and then you have another Luke Dyer off the ball, that makes you really, really tough. We're forgetting his passing ability as well. He, he threw up some pretty good passes this year. Um, I, I know we talked about Luke being an ultimate complete player. Malik, I don't even know if it's a notch below, maybe half a notch, if that, below Luke when it comes uh, to being a complete basketball player. Uh, again, I just go back to how lucky we are to be able to watch and witness these kind of things and, and say that we're not really a part of it, but we're there for a lot of it, and we get to be close uh, and, and enjoy it almost as much as they do. Uh, before we get to Malik's interview, something I wanted to mention last time you were a co-host on the show and I just kind of forgot to, it's a little bit sort of kind of outdated, not super, but recently a local sports broadcaster uh, was inducted into the uh, OVAC Hall of Fame, Scott Nolte at Channel 7. Um, he's been a guy that I, I've watched sports my whole life, 
and that local sports stuff, he's always been the name, always been the voice, always been the face. Uh, so it's good to see him get the recognition he deserves. He's not too much older than I am, but still I can say that I grew up watching Scott and thinking, man, that dude is, he's got the ultimate job. That is so awesome what he gets to do. And the thing about Scott is he's the most unassuming person in the world. Um, when I posted that he had made the OVAC Hall of Fame on Twitter, he had not said one word about it. You'll never hear Scott Nolte say a single thing about himself. Um, he's a true pros pro. I've been on the road with him staying in, in hotel rooms. I mean, he's the type of guy that you want to have as a friend. I remember getting into this business and I was a young, at the time I was 21 and I didn't know a darn thing. And I certainly was nobody, nobody had heard of me. You know, I, I was just a guy and Scott from day one treated me like I was an equal. And looking back on that now, I, I think about how absolutely cool that is that I was able to gain the respect of somebody like that who is a true giant in this business and just one of the best people you're ever going to meet. Uh, we've had him on the Valley a couple of times. I mean, he's well-versed in everything. It's not just the, the big sports. He, he takes a, an interest in all of them, all of the kids. And everything he's involved with in the Ohio Valley, I mean, is better because it has Scott Nolte and his name attached to it. Yeah, personally, for me, uh, when I got to West, or after I graduated West Liberty, I quickly got to produce for Channel 14, what would eventually become Topper Station. And in my first year, again, green as could be, like you said, when you became or started in broadcast, Scott called uh, football games for West Liberty for a year. And that was my first time working with Wesley and producing and doing anything like that. And he was so gracious with me and working with me and, and understood that I, I was new at this. And he helped me out quite a bit. I even got to jump on air with him. I think the last football game of the season, do color commentary with him. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Then when, and again, growing up, when I was in high school, I was lucky to be on some really good football teams. It wasn't because of me. It was because of my teammates and coaches but to be around and know how big a deal it was to have your high school football game on TV. And it was Scott doing the play-by-play, -play, and that was, you know, it was big time for us. That was as big as we were going to get. And it's still in the back of my mind, knowing him now and talking to him, it's kind of funny to think back, like, you know, when, when you caught our games, that was a big, big deal to us. And it's just kind of funny how it's come full circle. And now we're, we're all in broadcast and we're buddies and, uh, not super – I'm not close with, with uh, Scott or anything. I'm not trying to give that off, but he, he has been such a nice guy to me and such a big deal for so long that you got to give him his credit. Uh, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. The best thing I can say about a person like Scott is is everybody, when he walks – I mean, if he walks into a Dollar General store, everybody knows who he is. I mean, that's that's the local celebrity thing. But the thing about that is – he has never once given off that vibe. If you didn't know what he does for a living and has done so well for so long, you would never think it because Scott is the ultimate everyday guy. And I really appreciate uh, people who, whether it be on the local or the national level, achieve a certain status but never change who they are. And that is Scott to a T. And I'm so happy for him. When I, Honestly, when I heard that, it took me like three seconds to throw out that tweet because I was so pumped for him. Because a lot of these things, uh, when you're honored like this, it's because of who you know. It's kind of a, a buddy system. It's not like that here. Scott put in the work, and he earned this right. And uh, as far as the media category goes, there is no better person to be inducted than Scott Moldy. Uh, I second that, and uh, again, a big congratulations to Scott Nolte at Channel 7. Uh, it was always kind of, again, growing up watching Sports Zone or whatever they wanted to call the high school football sports show. Guys without ties. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was always Scott. He had various co-hosts, but it was always Scott. Scott was the guy, and that was – that's, I think, is what I'll remember the most is while other guys came in and out, he was always the one that stayed and always the one that got the job done. And uh, Again, congratulations, deserved 
uh, deserved it so, so much, and uh, we're all happy for you. Uh, I guess back to Malik McKinney and Westlip basketball. Should we just pitch it straight to the interview? Let's do it. All right, here comes Topper Nation, Malik McKinney. Topper Nation, welcome him in, the sophomore guard for the Topper basketball team, Malik McKinney. Malik, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your day. Yes, sir. Anytime, anything for the Toppers. Uh, how are things going for you right now back home? Uh, they're going well. I'm just trying to keep myself busy. Um, I'm doing a lot of workouts inside. I'm doing a lot of workouts outside in my yard. And I've been trying to dribble the basketball around while I jog and just going to private courts and uh, trying to get some shots up. And, you know, this is just kind of crazy, everything going on. This is, is this how you're basically communi communicating with everybody outside of your house that lives there? I mean, just whether it's FaceTime on your phone or Zoom or anything like that. Yeah, besides the people that I see when I go on walks, it's, it's all FaceTime and, and all audio chats. Um, I mean, it's just a, a weird time to be uh, you know, living in this world. Uh, everybody's uh, quarantined. It looks like things are getting better other places around the world, and that's where we may be heading uh, yeah. in our country. So hopefully that is the case. We'll get back to some normalcy here soon. Yeah. Uh, and something that's completely out of the ordinary the fact that uh, you, you guys canceled the, the, the postseason was canceled on you just like that. It was a day before, maybe a little bit more than 24 hours or yeah. so uh, before the tournament was going to start. Uh, it got canceled. What was your reaction personally and then when you started talking to guys on the team? Um, so, actually, we had already had a practice that day, the earlier that morning. And um, the day, like the day before the game, the shoot-around and – we were all high spirits and everybody was all amped up and ready to ready to play Virginia State because we had already done a thorough scout on them and we had a game plan and we were just all ready to excited to compete in some match uh, March Madness and um, it was crazy when I got the call I I didn't believe it at first because I heard that D one had canceled it but I thought like small college D two like they probably were gonna let a game go on before they canceled it but. Nah, they were, they were on it, and I was I was hurt because I felt like coming from Seton Hill, getting bounced in the first round of your conference tournament, to being competing in the regional tournament, uh, that was going to be a first for me. So I was really hurt about that, but I'm excited that uh, we don't have any seniors and we get the whole team coming back. So we have high uh, high hopes for next year. Yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like the way, regardless the way this season would have ended, if it, uh, you know, would have ended in a first-round loss in the regional or if you'd have gone on to win a national title, knowing that everybody's coming back. Yeah. Uh, that's just so much motivation. How how do you see things going for next year? And, again, I'm not looking for a prediction or anything like that. It's tough to do that. But uh, with everyone coming back, what's the mindset and the confidence going into next season? Well, we finished up this year ranked seventh in the nation. So we we have to work on keeping improving, getting better. Um, we got to get better at the things we're great at, get better at the things that we're not so great at. So it's going to be a big offseason for us. We got to put in work away from each other. And then when we come to see each other, it's going to be that team chemistry again. You know, we, um, we, we click as a team. We play as a team. We're a tough team to beat for any team in this nation. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording. Um, the the team, like you said, you're looking forward to next year. But as of right now, with all the craziness going on and normalcy in life, or trying to get some normalcy, and this is kind of the only way you can talk to people, how much of a struggle is it as a student right now to be able to get your classwork done where everything's an online class? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's actually – it's actually crazy. It's a lot of it's a lot different because even like even though they say in college teachers don't really remind you that in class time they do remind you of like upcoming tests and quizzes. So it being online classes and um being online is just it makes it more on you like the student. So you have to be more responsible because you might not get an alert that might, you might not see the alert that pops up on your phone that you have a class meeting at 10.30 tomorrow on Zoom. 
but you have to always be checking your emails. You always have to be checking what your professors are saying and you have to stay on top of things because things still have a, a due date and um, you have to put some time aside from your in, in-house life to <laughs> do your homework. And, and you know, that's tough for the, the student athletes and that's what it really is uh, for Hilltopper basketball and Hilltopper sports in general across the board. It's really becoming uh, student athlete for sure. It's very, very intelligent guys uh, and women playing for sports across the board at West Liberty. And uh, it's a lot of fun to see that's impressive to me that you guys can be that good on the court, but also that good off the floor. Yeah. It, it's, it's a driving, it's a driving factor because if we're, if we're all good in the classroom, then we're, everything will be good on the court because classrooms can keep you off the court. And speaking of courts right now, it's, it's, a little bit difficult for you to find. You told me a story before we started recording. A little bit difficult time for you to find somewhere to go shoot around a little bit. Uh, you know, you can get some running in or walking, as you said, but where are you able to find a place to shoot around right now? Well, like I told you before, um, the main court I usually go up to where the guys hoop outside late and has nice lights and good courts, they they took the rims off of those, so we can't hoop on them no more. Um I've been going to um, a neighborhood next to mine, and um, they have a, a neighborhood court in on um, in their community. So I've been shooting there, but it's not full court, so they can't run full. So I'm usually there by myself and um, just working on drills that uh, the us hilltoppers would work on. You know, getting us in shape. And we'll go back in time a little bit here. Uh, when you decided to transfer, what was it about West Liberty uh, that really intrigued you and made you want to come uh, to the Hilltop? Well, first, um, Coach Lambo had Coach Lambo had emailed me and um, said that Coach Hallett loved me and like watched my film and loved the way I played, like my play style. And uh, coming from Seton Hill, I just thought that was weird because in the system that I was playing in, I did not like it at all. The Preston offense, everything was scripted. It was, you can either do this or this. And it really wasn't no freedom or continuity within our offense. And I was just like, how could, how could somebody see like a tap, like um, how could somebody see me playing at West Liberty coming out of that uh, system? And Coach Hallett saw saw it in me, and I just feel like the way I play is up style, up 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 pace, like fast, back and forth, running, jump, catch and shoot, take an open shot. You know what I mean? Beat your guy off the dribble, and I just feel like that patterns to my game perfectly. Well, Coach Hallett may have seen your film before any of us at West Liberty did, and th- some of the things he had to say about you before we got to see you at practice or anything like that, right after you signed and decided to come to West Liberty, you delivered uh, beyond all expectations of what he thought, or at least what he told me and, and some things about you. Man, uh, watching <laughs> you play, I-, I-, I love it, the defensive side of it. We, we knew Luke Dyer, what we had in him as a defender uh, coming into this year. I don't know if anybody expected you to be on that similar level as a Luke Dyer, either one of you. I mean, I swear to God, it's every single game, and it doesn't matter who it is from the opposing team. If they're in the paint and they try to go put up a shot anywhere in the paint and they put their hands near their waist, the ball is gone. It's automatic. Yeah. It's automatic. <laughs> yeah. Me and Luke, me and Luke uh, strip each other all the time in practice. It goes <laughs> back and forth. Well, you talked about the playing styles and how different it was uh, at Seton Hill compared to West Liberty. Had you ever played in a system like that, whether it was AAU or high school or any level of basketball, where it was very fast-paced? Uh, yes, AAU. I played for I played for a very uh, accomplished teams in AAU. I played for the um, Six Man Warriors my junior summer, and then I played for in um, Adidas Gauntlet team in the district. And um, AAU has always been fast-paced, and that's why that's why I credit to my defense too. Really, is because is AAU because AAU is not really a lot of structured plays. It's more of like get you a bucket because coaches are watching, you know. And I've had to guard some of the top guys in my class, and like if you put them in front of me, I'm not scared to guard anybody. You know what I mean? 
Well, I've got some news for you. I'm pretty certain they were scared of you because <laughs> I'm telling you, I've talked to some guys and talked to some people that are much more intelligent when it comes to basketball than I am. And they're like, listen, I don't want to be defended by Malik McKinney. They're older guys. Listen, when I was playing, if a guy like Malik came around, I don't want to be on the floor. They would get, <laughs> they would get the McKinney flu. Like, okay, yeah, I'm sick when I got to go play Malik. I can't play today. I don't want to be there. Um, how difficult would it be to play against the Westlers? Say if you were back at Seton Hill or any team in the country in Division Two, and you had to come play the style that you guys play at West Liberty and you're just unfamiliar with it, I mean – it would be a bit of a basketball culture shock to have to play against that. It would because you might have the guys that are the athletes, you know, you have, you always have the athletes that can run with us, but like their, their stamina and their wind, it's not like ours because we have five players who are equally as good as our starting five coming in right next. So we never, we're never tired. We always have fresh bodies and a lot of teams, a lot of teams can go possibly seven deep, like, effectively. We can go 10, 10, 11 deep effectively if Quinn is hidden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody, and I mean everyone that is wearing a West Liberty uniform is a shooter. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. Uh, watching Owen in practice, I mean, he's the tallest guy on the team. You're thinking, okay, this guy maybe not the shooter. Good luck. You leave him open. That's going in. <laughs> when Owen shoots, I think it's going in. Uh, I've watched enough practices and the drills you guys do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of those practices, every drill that you guys do, it's competition-based almost. Yeah. And there's a winner. There's a loser. I was not a great athlete growing up, but I loved sports. Those kind of drills were the most fun because it was the game inside of practice. It wasn't just, okay, this is just hard work. There's a winner. There's a loser. That competitor, and that's what everybody on this team is as well, a competitor. Um and that's why um that's why a lot of times our practices they can get they can get a little chippy because nobody wants to lose. You got Pat and going you got Pat going at Dalton, you got me going at Luke, you got me going at Pat, you got Pat coming at me. So it's just what happens you put a lot of competitors on the court at one time. And that has to be so beneficial knowing, okay, we've got we've got a lot of guys on this team that will do anything to win. And they're also extremely talented. So you put that work ethic along with the talent that they have. Is it a mindset a little bit of, hey, guys, I know we've got some good teams in this conference, but I don't know if we're going to see anybody anywhere as good as we are that or what we see in practice against each other every single day? Yeah, so I remember – I'll never forget this because I had never heard this in my whole life. So when we played uh, we played uh, Urbana, Earlier in the season at Urbana, they their commentators were like their second five could could beat a lot of teams starting five. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking that, and I was just like, yeah, like we're the seventh ranked team in the nation, so our guys are are good. We like we have talented guys, and we play each other all the time, and that's just only getting us better. Like me going up against an All American adult in and two freshmen of the year with Pat and Will. Like it's I'm playing cream of the crop. And don't forget, Dalton was a freshman of the year, too. Oh, yeah, Dalton was a freshman of the year, too. And I, I'm telling you, the only reason Bryce didn't get it this year was the fact that uh, he wasn't necessarily considered in the starting five, maybe didn't get as many minutes uh, this year as Dale Bonner did down at uh, Fairmont State. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also extremely biased, and I'm always going to pick the West Liberty guys. So. Right. I thought Bryce should have got it, too. Bryce was, Bryce's, Bryce's game is, as a freshman – I don't think I've seen – I've seen a freshman in this class, in that freshman class uh, in the MEC that has a well-rounded game as him. That he does everything. Rebound, pass, score, like, he does it all. He's a real deal. I'm glad the toppers got him. I'm glad we're going to have three years of you, Pat, and Bryce all together. Uh, that makes me very, very happy. And Will. Um, Will will be in there as well. I almost forgot. How could I forget Will? <laughs> Will was our Will was our first player guest on this show. So how could I forget Will? He's going to be mad. At me. <laughs> he is going to be mad at me. Um, we'll go a little bit off of basketball. Let folks at home know who you are. Get a little get them, uh, to know you a little bit better in your downtime. Right now, when you're not shooting or trying to find a court or doing some classwork, 
are you watching any shows? Netflix, Hulu? Are you a movie guy, a TV show guy? What is it? Um, I've been I've been a TV show guy in the past. I've binge watched a couple of TV shows. I watched uh, binge watched you. I binge watched on my block. Um, but if you know me, know me, you would know I'm big into video games like like 2K. I love playing 2K. I love playing Modern Warfare. And if you if you know me, like I'll go to the movie theater and sit there and watch Marvel movies forever. I've seen literally every Avenger movie there is. Well, I'm not gonna give you too much uh, worry about that because I enjoy those movies as well. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> give you any. And I make the joke all the time. I like the bat. If I'm gonna play video games, it's gonna be a sports game. Uh, that's what I grew up playing. You guys are better at real basketball <laughs> yourselves than I am at video game basketball. I was talking to this about. <laughs> I was talking to Pat about this. He said that he told me he has a guy that's a 99 yeah. on, on 2K. I'm like, all right, I might, if there's any way, I don't know if it's even possible. Like, let me borrow that guy because I am god awful. I, <laughs> I, I need some help with my game on, on the video. Yeah. Pat, Pat actually invites me all the time to play video games. His player is really good. He has a 99. I only have a 92. Well, I, I'm going to have to work on I'm going to try to get some secrets from him because. I want to learn how to do it on my own. I just don't have the time. That's my biggest thing. Like, <laughs> let me buy the character or something because I don't have the time uh, to put in to get them that good. Um, what uh, what shows are you watching? Are there any shows right now that you're binge watching? Um, I started to get into um, the originals. Is that on Netflix? What's that on? It's on Netflix. Okay. It's a, it's kind of like a vampire. It's kind of like a vampire werewolf drama type thing, and there's a lot of seasons. And during this quarantine, you need a lot of seasons when uh, yeah. when the show is like that. So it's it's entertaining. Uh, I I've got a, I just started watching Ozark on Netflix. It's not bad. It's okay. I got through mm -hmm. the first season. Well, I'll give that a try. Another couple seasons of that. Did you um, watch the 100? No, I did not. I finished the one. I finished all one, seven seasons of the 100. I'm, I thought there was a season eight coming out soon. There might be. How about uh, Stranger Things? You watch that? Yeah, I watched a couple of the first couple seasons of Stranger Things. It's not a bad show. It, it could it's be. Not. It could be a lot worse. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. They I do. think. It's, I think it's funny. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like the references. I there there those characters are a little bit before my time. Not much. I would have mm -hmm. been a little bit younger kid. Uh, I was just born in 84, so I was mm -hmm. right around the time I was born, but I still get some of the references, the clothes, the music, yeah. the cars, especially the music. I, I enjoy that stuff. Um, yeah, the soundtrack is good. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, live sports-wise, I know you're from Bowie, Maryland. What were the teams that you loved to watch growing up, whether it was professional, college, uh, and even players? Who did you love the most? Well, it was kind of weird because I never really picked up a team because my dad is a Miami Dolphins fan. So for football, I never really picked – I never really got the home team. So my my uh, favorite football team ended up being the New England Patriots. Just jumping on the bandwagon or is it – No, I liked them when I was when – I, when I was seven years old, like I had watched that, that championship against um, – the Giants, and, like, they were winning at half, and I was just like, I'm going to start liking this team. And my dad was like, if you like this team, you got to stick with it. Like, you can't you can't bandwagon. I was like, all right. And I just stuck with them, and they just happened to be good ever since. You picked a good one. I mean, boy, that makes me feel really old when you say the Super Bowl against the Giants and you were only seven, I was like 16 or 17 when they <laughs> played the Rams in the first Super Bowl they won with Brady. I actually rooted for them. I'm a Steelers fan, if you can't tell up above yeah. my head. Yeah. So, New England, uh-uh. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> Tom Brady, it's like, I I'm glad you went to Tampa. Bruce Arians, a former Steeler coach, just don't let him win. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. Don't do that I, to Ben. Um, for an NBA, I remember uh, when I was younger – I had um, watched Carmelo Anthony go up against LeBron when they were both, like, rookies. And Carmelo won that battle. He hit the game winning shot in LeBron's face. I mean, I'd never forget that. And ever since then, I was like, all right, Carmelo's going to be my guy. 
and I'm gonna like the Denver Nuggets. Were you a Syracuse guy either? I know that was before you started uh, becoming his fan, but were uh, you enamored with what he was able to do in that one year at Syracuse? Um, actually, I liked Melo before before I knew he played at Syracuse, and then I went back and I watched film on that, and and um, it was it's just crazy. He was he came in as a freshman, dominated the whole NCAA, and 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 left. <laughs> well, he had nothing else to accomplish. He he did everything you could possibly do, and it only took him one year. Yeah. Go go make some money. I don't blame him uh, one bit at all. Um, when you were growing up, what uh, there it is. There's Mello. I, <laughs> I was asking Dalton. He's got uh, Paul George up on his on his wall. The fat head of Paul George back, and I, I can't remember if it was the Pacers day. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. He also, and again, Dalton's from Ohio. He had Michigan stuff in his room. Like, isn't that sacrilegious? You can't have Michigan stuff when you live in Ohio. He's a, he's a diehard Michigan fan. <laughs> well, I can't blame him. Uh, one of my old favorite coaches used to be there. I was at WVU when John Beeline was the head coach there, and then he went on to mm-hmm. Michigan. So I had to stick with John Beeline. So I can't blame him too much. I was also a fan of the Fab Five. I enjoyed them when I was a young kid. That was a lot oh, yeah. of fun to watch. Chris Robert, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard. Yeah. Um, when you were growing up, we talked about the the sports that you liked watching and your favorite players. Were there any other sports that you played besides basketball? Um. Yes, I actually won a conference title in a on, on varsity soccer my senior, in my uh, junior and sophomore year. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. I'm not I'm not super intelligent on soccer what position did you play I played uh so when I first because my freshman year was my first year playing ever and I was on JV and then my sophomore year I got moved up to varsity so my freshman year I was a midfielder and that's where you play offense and defense it's the most running okay and then my uh sophomore year when I got a little bit better with my my footwork and my my speed and my my power and uh both legs I started becoming a striker and striker is just like a score you stand at the top and you run and get the ball and you score well hearing you talk about that it, it makes me wonder and this is another part of your game that I wanted to bring up we talk about you defensively and how well you play that side of it offensively obviously you can hit the three we've seen that who knows how many times countless times this year <laughs> But when you're driving and it's in transition, whether it's you get the steal or somebody else does, gets it up to you, you've got a tremendous amount of speed without the ball, but it also translates to you with the ball. So that doesn't always happen. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't seem like there's much of a difference between you with or without the ball in terms <laughs> of speed. But once you get into the lane and you're driving, you see your, uh, I can see you gear down. And yeah. it's not like you know what you're going to do before you do it. It's just wherever they're not, that's where I'm going. Right. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do, you, and if they do bring in collapse, you'll find the open man. It's just unbelievable the way you play. Did soccer help out with that ability to gear down and kind of see passing lanes? Yeah, because a lot of the times with uh, soccer, you have to see you have to see the lane before you can deliver the ball. So it helps with timing, like precision, like knowing where he's gonna be. So I have to throw the like a lot of the times when like when I threw the alley oop to Will. I had to I had to put it to where I thought he was gonna be so he can go get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just helps with like perception and stuff with like that. And I'm trying to remember late in the season there was a practice, and I'm thinking Quinn intended it to be for you. I could be wrong, but it was mm-hmm. a practice. Quinn threw up a, a, a alley oop pass. <laughs> I don't think it was anywhere near on the mark, but everybody everybody got a big old chuckle out of that one. Oh, yeah. Quinn tried to throw an alley to Will. Will didn't even jump. It was so far off. He didn't jump. <laughs> Will just went like this. Just watched it go. That's a homer. That's a homer. Guaranteed off the bat. <laughs> what makes me happy, though, when you talked about teams you grew up enjoying, I know you're from Maryland. I'm very happy you didn't say the Ravens. I know you said uh-huh. the Patriots, but the Ravens are even worse. They're in the division. Yeah. They're in the Steelers division. I, I I could never get down with the Ravens. That's my mom's team. 
Well, do you guys have battles? Because I know at times the Ravens had the Patriots, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Ravens had the Patriots number a couple times. They, they do, they do. They beat us almost every time. Well, I'm not a Harbaugh fan. I can tell you that much. Either one of them. I don't like either one of them. So there goes my <laughs> Michigan stuff, right? I like I liked Michigan basketball, but not football because they had Rich Rod. They stole from us, which I wasn't a big Rich Rod fan at WVU. Mm-hmm. They had Harbaugh too. Um, it's just. <laughs> It's kind of funny how that stuff goes, right? In the family, in the house, you've got teams that, hey, yeah. we're rivals. Today, I love you, Mom, but not today. Not today. You stay upstairs, <laughs> I'm downstairs. Um, I'll ask you another question here. This might be one that uh, you may decide to take the fifth not answer this at all. I've asked this question of players in the past when they've been on shows and interviews with me. Would you rather play either Coach Hallett or – uh, Coach Lamberti in one-on-one against them or be on a two-on-two tournament or three-on-three where they're on the same team with you? Um, first off, I would like to say they playing with them is is good. They, they can get you a lot of easy baskets because they know the game and they back cut, but nothing would be more more tickling to me than playing Coach Hallett one-on-one. Oh, man, I would talk a lot of trash, and I would take him to the basket every trip. <laughs> but you got to remember here, in my mind, I, maybe I should have rephrased this, rephrased this when I asked the question. I'm talking Coach, Lam, Coach Lamberti or Coach Hallett in their prime. You're the same age if they're 20, 21, whatever age, and you get that version. And yeah, for sure, in their prime. Coach Lambo. Coach Lambeau was a jumper, so I don't know about that. I, I'd rather I'd rather take Coach Lambeau two on two, where I, where somebody else can guard him. But Coach Hallett, oh yeah, he's a guard. He's a guard, just like me. I'm a I'm gonna definitely go at that. And then some other fun stuff we'll talk about to end the uh, end this interview. Uh, who's the funniest guy on the team? Uh, funniest guy. Funniest guy on the team. Uh, I, it would be a toss-up between Pat and Marlon. Pat and Marlon. <laughs> I'm trying to get Marlon on the podcast. He hasn't responded yet. I've caught him out in a couple of these. I'm trying can, to get him on. I can I can definitely help you out with that one. He's 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 definitely tough to get a hold of. <laughs> he's tough to get a hold of. My next per- – I'm just going to ask Coach Lamberti, hey, can you send him a text for me? That's all it's going to be. So I'm going to make sure once I finally get him on the podcast, I'm like, I have mentioned you in every single one of these podcasts trying to get you to come on here. And finally, like, this is right up your alley, Marlon. You're going to love this. Right. Marlon could talk for hours. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have him as probably a co-host at one point. I would not be surprised. He'd be more than willing to do that. How about funniest or favorite moment of the year? Mm, Favorite moment of the year. I'm going to have to. I'm gonna just have to go to that Charleston game. That was probably fun. Everything about it—they beat us because they had beat us early in the year at Charleston. So like before the game, everybody was hyped and everybody was locked in. And during the game, the we just went on that big run in the second half where I I got the steal and gave got it to Will. Will got it to Pat, and Pat hit that three, and I couldn't hear myself think. The ASRC was rocking. That's my favorite part. Some of those times, calling the games, you guys get going, and I, you can just kind of feel a big play is about to happen. You see it uh, develop, and I just let it go. I don't say a word. Everybody at home watching knows. They hear the crowd. <laughs> That's all they need to hear. That's the most fun part yeah. about it. Talk about the energy that, that Topper Nation, those kind of games and those kind of moments really gives you. And um, it's different because at Seen Hill, our attendance was not was not highly recognized because sometimes even our cheerleaders would sit down during our games at Seen Hill, and it's just like everybody is so involved. Just like basketball is a culture instead of just a sport here. You know what I mean? So like you have people from around the town coming in supporting us. People from the town that know your name and. It's just it's it's a lot because when we hit that big three and 
and we hear the crowd cheering for us, it's like momentum. And that's why West Liberty is one of the hardest places to win in, in any division. Well, uh, I, I will not argue with you on that point. You, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, between you and Pat coming in as transfers this year, uh, the only other transfer that I can think of, and I could be wrong about this, this is just off the top of my head, the only other transfer player to come in and do as well as either you or Pat, uh, Dan Monteroso. I think he might be the mm -hmm. only one that I can think of that really – him and Zach Grossenbach are maybe going back a few more years. Those are the big guys as transfers coming in, and you have uh, come in right away in your first season, you and Pat, just unbelievable job uh, fitting in and really endearing yourselves to Topper Nation. Everybody loves you guys. Thank you. Well, uh, again, thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, we're going to definitely have you back on at some point with these podcasts or some kind of interview. Uh, don't be a stranger when it comes to TV. You never know one of these days. You might have a job in TV. You're pretty good at this. You bring a lot more basketball knowledge to it than I do. So uh, <laughs> definitely keep those options open. You never know. You do a pretty good job on camera. So uh, keep thank that in you. mind just in case. Topper Nation again, Malik McKinney with me. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you guys soon. And a big thanks to Malik McKinney for that interview uh, it's a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, it's kind of funny hearing him talk about how th the lengths that his neighborhood went to keeping everybody safe and indoors. They took the hoops off of the playground basketball. Uh, or Yeah, took the baskets off the backboards at the local playground so nobody was out there getting anybody else sick. Luckily, Malik told me, sent me a text. His parents uh, got him uh, a, a hoop to put in the driveway finally, so he's able to get his shots up. And that tells me all I need to know about Malik and how he grew up and why, you know, he doesn't mind coming off the bench sometimes. Uh, the kid in that family, apparently, they just want to win. And that's the only thing that, that matters, and they'll go to any length. And I've heard stories like that about them taking the, the baskets off the uh, backboards. Not much you can do then, but uh, they apparently found a way, and I think that's just awesome. I mean, if, if somebody was desperate enough, they could just go take a hammer, some nails, and get the, take the bottom out of the milk crate like old school. <laughs> if Naismith did it this way, I can. Come on. That's right. Thankfully, we don't have to do those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we get through the basketball stuff. I know it's a sports podcast. We try to get a little bit of pop culture in here a little bit. Uh, the last time you were on, you talked about trying to get not a huge celebrity, but a new celebrity onto the show. Uh, you contacted Carol Baskin's people to try to get her onto the podcast. Uh, she is from Tiger King, if you haven't watched it. Any word from her camp? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I was really disappointed with that. But I, I've got to imagine that they got absolutely flooded with requests. And I'm not going to stop because I, 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 that would be one of the coolest things ever. I mean, it, it's kind of settled down a little bit now. But if we could pull that off, that would just be incredible. I can just imagine, like, you know, softening her up, snowball or softball questions, and then, boom, did you kill your husband? Yeah. <laughs> I think the first question I would ask, I know it's a big cat sanctuary, but we've got Top of the Bear. And sometimes those old mascot uniforms or whatever, the costumes, they need to be retired. Sometimes they get old and raggedy. Would she take in Top of the Bear, even though it's a big cat sanctuary? That's interesting. Joe Exotic had more than just tigers in there. I don't trust any of them, though. No. I don't think that's somewhere we want Topper going. Not at all. Not at all. I uh, I saw that they came out with that extra episode. I was a little disappointed in that. I know they went and just talked to some people. Um, but if I'm going to see Joel McHale, I'd rather be on the soup. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know that it was going to be just like interviews. Mm -hmm. But the question I want to know is, how does Jeff Lowe get these hot women? Oh, that guy is such a the, that guy is such trash. <laughs> He's surrounded by these really good-looking women. Well, you gotta you gotta ask yourself what type of uh, people they are as well. 
Plus, you know, with the with the, uh, the 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 look, or at least the assumption of him having a lot of money and tigers. Uh, but that yeah. doesn't even look like he has money. <laughs> he acts like it. He 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 talks the talk with it. I don't know if he really walks the walk. Well, he has to have some kind of money though, because that thing's still going down there. Yeah, uh, it's. I don't know if I'd ever visit though. Uh, I don't know if I'd trust it after watching everything that went on there. Like, you know what? Are they serving us the same food they got off of that Walmart truck? Oh yeah, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't eat any food there. <laughs> yeah, I take my own bag, brown bag lunch. <laughs> Just like old school. Well, one of our buddies on Twitter recently. Uh, I don't know. Are we calling it a virtual Mountain East Conference tournament? Uh, it's it's kind of more not teams but specific players from teams uh, get in and they kind of what how did he do it you got to play it's MEC uh, hoops super fan on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, we, may, we might be able to get him on the, the podcast one of these days we'll see maybe have to talk to I him guarantee him. we'll get him on there okay see if he wants to come on for an interview and talk about some of his uh, what he's done with the, the, the virtual tournament but also uh, just his fandom of Mountain East Conference basketball but I believe it was Seeger Bonifant that won out for the toppers to be the top seed for West Liberty to move on. Mm-hmm. But who else was involved? Cedric Harris, Seeger, uh, Dalton, and Dan. Was that yeah. the four? Yeah, that was the four. Boy, with West Lib, that's that's tough to come up with just four, isn't it? That really is. I mean, when you look at it, Seeger was a multi-time national player of the year. Said won national player of the year. Um, Dan, his his career speaks for itself, and Dalton's still writing his script. Yeah, and don't forget about Alex Falk. He was, a, I believe, a National Player of the Year as well, and his right. name is not on there. We, we talk about guys like C.J. Hester all the time. He, so, and, and when you look around at some of the other teams too, we're completely biased, and this is a a West Liberty podcast. So there are some guys from West Liberty whose names weren't were not on this list that. You look around at the other teams like, yeah, that guy was better than that guy or this guy. He should be in this tournament. But if we're going to go by teams, I guess. But, yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, I, I'm sure MEC Hoops Superfan probably got some uh, not-so-nice feedback from certain people, uh, I'm assuming, with who his choices were to win. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. And, and that's what sucks about Twitter and social media in general. You try to do something – just for fun to pass the time because that's all we have right now is time. And you've got to hear nonsense, Uh, but he takes it well. He's a really well-mannered, mild-mannered guy. Um, He's just trying to get, get people's names out there, you know, but there's always going to be a few bad apples. And I know for sure one person who got on him who, it's on everybody that doesn't mention his son, but that's just the way it is. Uh, it'll forever be like that. Every sport and anything anybody does. Um, but you know, we'll just try to have some fun with it. And at the end of the day, this doesn't really, there's no trophy for this. At the end of the day, it's just a Twitter poll for the most part. Right? They're, in the, they're in the semifinals right now. Yeah. I don't even, I haven't paid close enough attention at this point. Who's, who's in the semis. Seeger against. Matt Bengaya from Fairmont. Uh, that's the one and four matchup. And uh, the two and three, Haywood Highsmith from Wheeling and Will Voorhees from Notre Dame. Those are some good picks. Those are some good picks. I mean, there's been a lot, a lot of really good basketball players to come through in the past 10, 15 years. And those are four big time names in my mind. Absolutely. Um, and I think whenever you start the tournament, those are probably the four that you think are going to make it through there. I mean, I said it before this, the tournament ever starts started. I mean, it's it's got to be Seager. And I, I'm biased, sure. But the numbers are there. And he did it on the biggest stage. Uh, so, for me, that's, that's easy. But you're saying that's easy uh, against a guy in Highsmith? It was played in the NBA. Yep. I mean, it's tough. Um, 
because I covered those wheeling teams too. And those were some really, really fun teams to watch. And I kind of hate it now that it's not the same. It's just – Bill Ryan's a great coach. It's just not the same when Wheeling rolls into the ASRC and Danny Sancom's not on the other bench. Yeah, it, it definitely adds a lot more flavor. It's pretty much the same at West Liberty. You've got a head coach that's really good, but at the same time, he was a very, very good, one of their top ever players mm -hmm. when he was young. That's how it was with Danny. He was the best player and the best coach that program ever had, I think. Wait till people get a load of his sons who are coming up now. This isn't going to be the last time you hear the Sandcone name. <laughs> well, this is a Westland podcast. We might have to wheel that back in a little bit. we got to talk Westland <laughs> stuff. Reel it in a little bit here. Um, but it is fun. I, I think Seeger is the right choice for that one. I, I think he is the top player. And even talking with Dalton during his interview, uh, joking with him a little bit about taking the number five right after uh, Seeger had graduated. And, you know, just his – mentality it's like you know i'm not trying to be secret and i kind of like that we've got a lot of really good players i'd rather these new guys uh whether it's dalton don't don't be seager be the next dalton bolin or you, you be the first will yokum the first pat robinson don't worry about being the next dan monoroso or devin hearn or anything like that go be the first uh first of you and make that legend yourself absolutely and i, I think that's one of the allures about the west liberty program is that sometimes they'll have entire classes graduate and you think, oh, okay, this is where, you know, they, they kind of downshift a little bit and it's never happened. Then it's the next guy who comes up to take that place with the supporting cast. And that's where Dalton is right now. Um, I, I remember going back, there were two classes back-to-back -back with West Liberty that graduated. They graduated over 10,000 career points. And it's like, they, there's no way they can recover from this. It was, it was great while it lasted, but, you know, it, it's back to reality. And it just hasn't been that way. That's why, you know, we, we get compliments, uh, the broadcast team does, from people on football, basketball, all the sports, and, and fans and parents. We are unbelievably lucky to get to, to broadcast this team and a lot of West Liberty sports and just the people themselves uh, are great. But to get to cover a team that's that good consistently, and uh, the names change, but for the most part, the end result doesn't. It's always the same. You know, there's always going to be a chance. You're always going to have that opportunity, it seems like, at West Lib. I mean, I'm a football guy at heart um, as far as watching. Like, I still play basketball. That's what I, that's what I did growing up. But nowadays, I just I, – I so look forward to basketball season because I get to be around this group and these people. And it's – what gets lost is, yeah, it's awesome to watch these guys and they're really, really talented. But it's the personal relationships that you build, I think, that make it special. I mean, I, I – when I'm at the, the ASRC for a game and the old guys come back into town, I'm always talking to them. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's like nothing really changed except for they've grown up and become adults and, and a lot of cases have their own families now. And that's the cool part, too, about the West Lib. I guess you can call it family now. They, they all do come – a lot of them do come back with their families. It's something that – They'll, they'll forever look back on with fondness uh, every bit as much as we do, if not more. So it's great to see these guys come back and still have that passion for Westland basketball and still support these guys. And a lot of times it's not just the players. I see Seager's mom at games all the time. I mean, it just gets ingrained in them and you become part of the family and you just, you, you don't leave. Seeger hasn't been here for how many years now? Three, four? Yeah. And his mom's still coming to games, and it's not like they live in Wheeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to try to get him on the podcast at some point, possibly see if he can uh, – oh, We can do want, that. If he wants to come on and talk to us uh, 
one time, ask him some hard questions about the past. Like, it's been long enough now. We wanted to ask you a while ago, but we felt like it was too soon to ask. I don't know. You'll have to come up with some hard questions for him, put him on the spot a little bit. We can definitely do that. I'm pretty close to him. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think we've, we've talked about a good while here. Uh, Sean, thank you for coming on again. Uh, we're going to have you on for sure uh, again soon for another one of these podcasts. It's been fun so far. Hopefully everybody in Topper Nation has enjoyed these, give you a little bit of time to not think about some of the craziness that is going on in the world right now and try to get your mind on some positive stuff. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, final thoughts, Sean? Just echo that. Um, I, I think we're a lot closer to the end of this than uh, maybe some people think. Um, but, but we've done a great job, and that's that's why we're – we're probably close to the at least getting back to some sort of normalcy is because we've done what we had to um, just keep doing it. And one day we'll look back on this and say, man, you remember how crazy that was? Yeah. I, I sure hope so. Topper nation again, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, keep doing what you're doing for however much longer it lasts. Hopefully it's not much longer, uh, maybe another couple weeks if that. Uh, so hopefully Hopefully things will end soon, and hopefully this podcast will continue going regardless of what happens if people enjoy it, and we'll keep this going and get you guys uh, some great current and former toppers, coaches, and players. Uh, for Sean Ryan, I am Todd Allum. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time on the Hilltopper Sports Podcast. Yeah, I, you know what it is. Everything I do, I do it big.